Hi, it's Nat. And Beck. Two very different sisters who come together each week to reframe problems big and small with you, our dear reframables. And why do we call you such a term of endearment? Because we're all in the process of reframing and being reframed as we reorient life through the stories we tell. Today we're reframing the parental push. What does that mean again, Beck? Well, I share a story of something I'm navigating with my eldest, who's now in high school. And I offer some retrospective thoughts, wisdoms even. Very wise. (laughs) Brought forward from my time as a high school teacher. So let's try it. Reframing goal setting for our children, or the parental push. Okay, I have another tickle. Okay. Do you want to hear this one? Yeah, definitely. This is a hard one because I was even out for dinner last night with some friends and it actually came up and they are experiencing the same tickle. It's particularly related to piano practicing, but we can take it bigger. Basically, Elsie was saying her piano teacher said she wanted her to take some space, like don't start doing the grade nine exam right away. Okay. Or grade 10, whatever, it doesn't matter. Don't start doing your next exam right away. Let's just kind of like work on our musicianship and just, you know, she wanted her to play like a concerto. And Elsie said to me, she said to me crying, what is the point if I'm not working towards a goal? What is the point of playing? I don't want to do it just for fun. Which, oh my God, I don't know if there's any other parents out there who can feel the pain of that because it's like, I so badly want her to do music just for fun at some level. But in another tricky way, I've participated in this sort of Royal Conservatory goal-oriented route because it's almost like you can't not in taking piano lessons. That seems to be the way we go. That's how we teach. It's very Canadian, yeah. Yeah, it must be very Canadian. I wonder if it's in the U.S. too, like what their approach is. You know, we do exams. Teachers, that's how they think, I think almost, or a lot of them do. But it made me so sad that she would need this goal and that she would consider that without the goal there would be no point and then the people we're with last night the guy was saying that he was saying if his kids came to music and said you know what I just want to write a song he would feel like he had triumphed that was actually his experience he had a more unique experience where he sort of picked up this love of playing the bass and developed it on his own but then his partner was saying she went through the conservatory system she's like I wouldn't understand that but she went and got to her grade 10 so it's like this divide is it very specific I guess the larger question is what do we do with our kids if they don't like do they need a goal school pushes us towards goals like isn't this an industrial society where we put them in and they know that you study because then you have to take a test so it's that big question of is this sad (laughs) (laughs) Is this uh, <laughs> is this a very tragic part of being a parent, is witnessing this and realizing you've pushed them out of joy almost and creation into goal orientation? <laughs> but then at the same time, what are you fighting? We're fighting phones. We're fighting the allure of social media, right? If she doesn't have a goal, so if I said, okay, fine, just do it for fun and then let's see what happens. Is she going to do it? No. She's going to go to her phone because that's 
the default. Like, don't you fall to the, what is that thing in life where you fall and don't rise? Oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> it's not gravity. It is actually. But... It's like, <laughs> it's gravity. Okay, whatever. We'll think of it later. I think this is really interesting, really interesting as an educator and also certainly one who's been like right now I'm in the midst of teaching this assessment and evaluation course to this group of master's students. And which I just have to say that that's not a very interesting title for a course, assessment and evaluation. I know, but yet they all came into it with like, I didn't know it was going to be this. So yeah, the title was misleading. Okay. <laughs> well, especially because I'm the person that's like really anti-grades. I don't actually find grades the way forward in terms of like promoting and prompting innovation in education. I think there are other ways that we can try and do it, but it, it is fighting a losing battle in a system. And I experienced this with my own students who are like, yeah, but and it's always a yeah, but with them because they're teachers already working in a system where this is the only way that students have to pass on to the next grade. And we've got them all in you know, like silos of who learns what and what then determines the next movement forward. And I mean, when I was teaching my grade 12s, even that group of students had a really hard time. Anytime something wasn't worth something, they needed it to be worth a grade. Like I really fought them on that because I was like, nope, we're doing this for the learning to get to the point where I'll give you a grade if that's what you so desperately want. And that was a really challenging philosophical kind of pondering for me. So I think that when you say, is this sad? I mean, yeah, I think it's a sad reality that is, you just named it. Like it's what our whole society is built on, right? Like school can't even just be for school. School for many people is, you know, school equals job, right? If you do school, you get job. Like a liberal arts degree in years past was supposed to be just about like pondering who you are as an individual, who gets the opportunity to have that, who has the privilege to have that kind of time. I mean, there's, there's so many kind of questions that are the only word here, Becca, and you're going to be annoyed with me is imbued in it. Like, I mean, it's just really that kind of quandary, that sort of a problem. And I would say from hearing you describe it, that first of all, I'm not sure why your piano teacher didn't have that discussion with the three of you about taking a break before jumping on to 10? Because that feels like, isn't the parent part of this process? So that's just my question. I'm not trying to make you mad at someone. I'm just a little bit curious about that. But the second part is I actually think that I think a goal is fine. <laughs> like if that's the world that we live in, then I understand Elsie's sense of wanting to have that goal. And that doesn't mean she doesn't enjoy it in the midst of doing it. Just because she needs a goal to work towards doesn't mean she's not enjoying the doing. Like the, the notion of the art for art's sake, I think I used to say that to myself as if that was a thing until I now started living this life as an arts worker. And now I'm like, no, I really want to have a place where I'm going to publish this thing to make the thing I just wrote feel like a product. I understand that impulse too, but there is also... I mean, would we be striving for a better society if we didn't always have to place it somewhere? And how would we be changed as people if we were doing more art for art's sake? 100%. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's true. But goals also don't have to be just when I'm saying places, not like if I place it in my newsletter each week, I'm getting anything for that beyond that. Like now I have 
it's a documented space where I can say it lives. Right. Like I haven't gained money. You know, many times I haven't gained followers. So therefore readers, I mean, like sometimes it's just now it exists in that space. So at least it has a form as opposed to sitting. So maybe that. So you're saying giving it form, giving it some structure, some structure. I mean, our brains do do well with structure. So maybe Elsie, who has, you know, like grade nine now. And so God, I mean, it's like, how do you just, you say now at grade nine, okay, don't have a goal anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like that's too challenging for her brain to say, we're taking away my goal now, like 10 years in. Yeah. It seems a bit strange to like do that to her own brain. That would be like, wait a second, everything that has made sense to me that we've scaffolded up to here. Now the world is just going to take away all that scaffolding. But how do I stay up here at the top of the structure without all of those things that built me up? Interesting to hear you say all that, Nat, because actually when it comes to Frankie, you're super chill about his piano playing. So do tell how you balance what we're talking about with goals and then the approach you actually take with your own son when it comes to piano. Well, the goal, I think in my little household is the song. So the grade thing hasn't really come up as some big deal because I don't think he has the same goal-oriented nature that perhaps his mother does. So I'm not going to push something at this point that is me on him. Whereas in your situation, I don't see you pushing anything. I think that that is just recognizing who your kid is. She's a very goal-oriented kid, so that just makes sense. And also, but with Frankie, it's definitely about if we've started a song, we're now going to finish this song. So we have our goals, but they're in-house. <laughs> so they're like, like in-house goals as opposed to external goals, but they're still goals. Well, they're in-house, but it's really sweet because they're in-house. But I just find that you bring a sense of chill to the piano that I've never been able to bring. <laughs> but also you did just quit in grade eight. You were like, oh, I think I'm done. Sort of fuck it. Like, <laughs> Remember? Yeah, no, I did. I, I did. I walked off that stage and said, never again. <laughs> I'm done. So I guess you're bringing that same relaxed. I did my part. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. Would you have a general recommendation for parents and how they approach music? Or would you like to take it bigger, Nat? Yeah, I mean, I guess just from where I s- like sit, stand, whatever, as somebody who has spent a long time you know, in an education system where very specifically kind of constructed goals are so valued, but often not valued by the educators. You know what I mean? Like there are other people like me in the system who are going, oh my gosh, guys, like we don't need to be spending so much time. And by guys, I'm I'm actually sort of talking to the community, to the parents. You'll get a whole bunch of parent types coming in going, I need my kid to have this and this and this. And I'm looking at them saying, I know what things are like on the other side at the university registrar's office. And I know what's being looked at and what isn't. And it's not all as clear cut as everybody seems to think it is. So I think the goals from the inside looking out can be a little bit more flexible and even amorphous at times, which then just from my perspective allows us to sort of look at the kid, to look at the child and go, what does this child actually benefit from? And My specific kid seems to deal really well with very tangible, small scale goals that will build to something. That's what I see in him. And I would have said that for a number of my students over the years. Whereas 
in this story, I see someone like Elsie as having long-term vision. Like she really can sort of set something far ahead and work towards that. I say, why not honor that for her? Like that's my perspective, simply because that's just a recognizing who she is, which you've always done. So, and you're fine that he's not going to be a pianist. No, he's not going to be some stellar pianist in the end of this because you can't, if you're not doing all of the work, you know, with like sort of a rigid schedule of sorts. But you're saying to be a pianist, he would need to be a different character. I think so. And you don't see that character in him. You see that I have to nurture other parts of him. Yeah. That part isn't there. I'd be forcing it. Yeah. Like it was so, you know what, this, it's very interesting. I didn't know that my kid was going to be the kid who actually wanted to do cross country practices, which meant that he and I had to leave the house at 745. Like, I don't like waking up early like that. And I was somehow walking to these practices and sitting cold on a bench, watching him run laps of this field so happily. And I'm like, okay. Like I, so I learned something of him. And then, but then his comment to me at the end was, I will, I don't want to come in first, mama. I don't even want to come in second. I'm happy to come in fourth because then I don't have to do another one of these races. <laughs> so I think he came in like 50, like who knows? We have no idea, like 50th. Like he was in the middle of a pack of like a hundred kids, but he was just so happy to be doing the thing. And for him, it was about the social. All right. And then he said to me, he said, I fell in the middle. I fell down a hill and then up a hill. <laughs> And I got back up. And then I, <laughs> I just loved it that he was, that's the part he was recounting. It's so, I'm like, yes, Frankie, that's the part of the story I would tell too. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, that's it. Like for him, I think it's about, is it actually, did you just hit on it? I think it's for him. It's about the story. Like it's the story of the experience. Yeah. So the journey of, Yeah. So I, I don't know, as we all kind of learn the stories of our kids and then have to like interact with the stories of ourselves. That's the hard part. Yeah. Yeah. One of the harder parts is thinking like, why is this touching me so hard? What do I want them to do that I didn't do? Like, I mean, all those things, you know, those, those things we know are happening in our parenting, but it's, there's some discomfort when you see it. Yeah. And you realize you're enacting your own story in a way or your own unfulfilled story right yeah your own sort of personal if we want to call them limitations or whatever sort of show up in a space where you're like oh didn't know I was going to have to face this again but I mean that is very human and so we're just reframing community again and again (laughs) bring your love bring your love (laughs) you obviously got something out of that conversation with those people last night even if it was just like a shared sense of okay I'm not the only one here who experiences this dilemma Uh uh-huh yeah and so honoring that the dilemma exists must be part of the reframing project you can't reframe something you haven't actually acknowledged no so there you go hey reframables a little housekeeping. Don't forget to rate, review, or subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts if you like what we're doing here on Reframables. Your feedback really supports this reframing project of ours. Also, please sign up for our weekly newsletter, which comes with a free delicious recipe from Nat. Check us out over on Patreon, too, where we do mini-episodes, which we call Life Hacks and Enhancers, our five best things in a week. 
On Patreon, you can become a monthly donor for as little as two bucks a month. Or you could even tip us on our new coffee account. Lastly, tell us what you like and what you want to hear more of. We love feedback and getting to know you, our listeners. All the links are in our show notes. Love reframables. Dum, 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 dum. And now for a sneak peek at what a $6 Patreon subscriber gets access to twice a month. And honestly, given inflation, that's the price of a latte. So just consider us your caffeine boost. Exactly. Every other week, we put out a list of our five reframables, life hacks, and enhancers in a week. These are the things that we do or buy or read or watch that we really feel enhance our day-to-day. Now you're so good at these lists. We share them <laughs> with each other and our Patreon friends because that's what Reframables is all about. Caring for ourselves and community in all the ways we know how or are learning about. We hope you enjoy. Hey, Beck. Hey, Nat. I've got five life hacks and enhancers for you. You have them all for me? I do. For you and for our loyal listeners. I love it when they come from you because I like to learn from you. Oh, well, I'm excited about these because they have all sort of played into my week. Mm. And it's Thursday and I've needed a lot of help to get through this week. So the first one, walking meetings. I have learned that walking meetings for my body are more efficient and I love efficiency, (laughs) so I'm really going for that one. And I'm not the only one that's doing this. Like the Harvard Business Review is writing about this stuff too. So I am not alone in my feeling that there's something good about the efficiency of what can be accomplished when one walks and talks. But is it also more fun? Well, for me, I love walking. So yeah, like I love it. Because I I honestly wouldn't think that you even need to be more efficient. Okay, fair enough. But you might need to have more fun. Yeah, and maybe it just makes me feel like I'm not sitting and my butt's hurting or my legs hurting or any of those things. But I kind of like knowing that it's been studied out there that walking meetings are a thing to do. So I'm just adding myself to the list of people who are doing that. Yeah, I should do that more. Walking. Any of my meetings, let's do it walking. I'm into it. I'm here for it. Okay, the second one, a definite life enhancer is... Okay, in my family, we eat a lot of what we call egg toast, which is just really eggs on toast. It's really not that complicated. But I'm trying to find ways to amp it up a little bit when I'm not really feeling like that's exciting enough. And I found that pesto on Dimpfelmeyer's kind of hard, slightly boring spelt bread, the yeast-free stuff, but spread with pesto and then a couple pieces of goat cheese, hard cheddar, and then an egg on top is... Like the most amazing little mini lunch. It's got everything covered. Which you made for me today, though I don't know if I tasted the cheddar. Oh, it was in there. Oh. So it it melted into your egg. Oh, it was delicious. Yeah. Let's go make another one. (laughs) We're out of cheddar. (laughs) (laughs) And we're out of that bread. All we have are eggs right now. Eggs and pesto. Eggs. No, pesto's gone too. So actually, it's just egg. (laughs) But I'm glad you liked it because I felt like that was like a real elevated egg toast. Yeah, it was delicious. Okay. So okay. pesto with your eggs, definitely a I'd, win. I'd like to introduce that to Elsie because she really likes pesto. And I feel like that might help her like eggs more. Does she not like eggs? Well, she only likes carbs. <laughs> <laughs> I did something wrong as a mother. We've made too many noodles in our life and that's all they like. <laughs> I celebrate that she likes carbs because that means she's not dealing with like what 
What is it? Well, yeah, that first of all, but also those who are just like so anti-carb, which you've sometimes teased and accused me of. That's not actually it. Like I like certain kinds of carbs, but yeah, the one time you talked about somewhere on some TikTok podcast, something you talked about loving the butter croissant. <laughs> and you how excited that? I was yeah, about you it. You kept saying croissant. <laughs> I was like, that girl hasn't said that word enough. <laughs> that that croissant is too foreign to her because it sounded foreign. <laughs> Wait, how would you have said it? I don't know, croissant. Really? I would have like super, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not not saying that's better. I'm just saying, I just be like, croissant. Does anybody want a croissant? And someone will run to Mabel's. It's like, it's it's almost just saying like, who needs water? No. Okay. Well, my croissant. (laughs) See, you say it weird, Matt. It's like a real experience. So you know what? You're right. I don't do it very often. Okay. Okay. So out of carbs, back to pesto and eggs. The next thing is the rebounder. So I forget if I have talked about the rebounder on here, but I'm having a renewed excitement for my rebounder, which is essentially just like a little mini trampoline. So I don't know why the kids all get to just have the fun on the trampoline. So I bought myself a mini one. And it is the most amazing kind of exercise. Because for my legs, supposedly, it's really good for blood flow and all that kind of stuff. So that's really good for blood clots, which is my issue. But Also, there are hilarious rebounder workouts on TikTok. Like, I thought it was just only on YouTube available to me to kind of go look at exercise workouts. But there are things on TikTok that are so funny. And so if I can work out and laugh at the same time, because people are being so funny. Anyways, I encourage whether you have one or not, go and the workout is good. Well, funny and good because it only lasts like a second. Now you just have to go do that move. But every time you're doing the move, you think of how funny it was when you just watched it. To me, that's a win. That sounds like so much joy in your life. I love it. (laughs) So rebounder workouts are new and big for me. And I don't, you don't have to do very long. Like I think some people would think you'd have to bounce for like an hour. Not when you do what these guys are doing. Like five minutes Mm. and you're done. My body is sore from having done what I did. The only problem in my house is that we'd, I'd have to put the rebounder in the living room because the basement ceilings are too short. Yeah, I moved it up to the kitchen. It's mm. like really not that big of an object. So you, you just, just bounce move it kitchen? around. I just bounce the kitchen. Nice. Really nice tall ceilings. Yeah, because down here, we're taping in my basement, folks, and my ceiling is not very high. So I could bonk myself. If okay, I, like, now really that I know that you just excited. carry it around with you wherever you want to bounce, you do. Yeah, just move it. So that's that. Okay, another one, and I was actually inspired by you, but Clifford and I were doing it too, was a midweek beer. Now, some people do this all the time, but I think it's maybe more exciting because we don't do it all the time. And so this midweek beer was a celebration. It was kind of just like us looking at each other and going, let's high five each other with a beer. So we went to our local brewery to the Indy and bought like a really good beer and then shared it together. And then I went on Instagram and saw that you and Simon were doing the same thing. You were having a little beer together. And I thought, okay, this is a thing. A life enhancer is to have a midweek celebratory, what you called thread the needle between piano lessons beer with your loved one. Yes, we've been taking to doing that. We drop Violet off. Then we run to the brewery, which now I'm forgetting the name of where we run to. That's Indy? Not it's not Indy? No, no, it's because she's at Lansdowne. Oh. Lord, it's the one there. Okay. Bandit. Oh, you go to Bandit. That's so cute. I get a cherry beer. Simon gets whatever Simon gets. We scarf it or drink it really fast. 
Gulp so, it down. So that's also fun. So then you're hammered and then yeah. you run back a bigger. <laughs> <Run back. laughs> that's fun. Oh, I think that's really sweet. I love that. Okay. okay so threading the needle, yeah. threading the needle beer. Yeah. With midweek with celebratory someone, beer. Someone fun. Yeah. With someone that you will enjoy doing a quick one with like that. Yeah. So no big talks. We no. Don't, we have no big talks. No. You're too busy gulping. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's happening there. And then this last one, and you literally just did this, Rebecca, but I totally agree with it. And I think it's full on both a life hack and enhancer together is service compliments. And what I mean by that is somebody who has served you, be it that beer or, you know, what just happened when we were having tech issues and you had to contact our tech people. Squadcast. Let's Squadcast. Just call Squadcast. Them out. Squadcast. That's who we record with. <laughs> so you get on your little WhatsAppy message thing with them and they responded so fast. Like the only option here is to snap because it was that fast. And yeah, the actually in this case, the owner of the company was like, how can I help? And, and that's amazing. Yeah, it was really nice. And they were so fast, but then you complimented them. Like you said, they're practically high-fiving each other. In the, <laughs> in the chat, <laughs> in the chat. And you know what? They deserve to, because that's brilliant that they were able to provide that service. But I really think we don't do enough in terms of our own enhancing of our lives when service is involved. We don't do enough of the thanking. Mm-hmm. And then we get grumpy when the interactions aren't perfect. So I say, I think there's a life hack in there that you start the process towards good by starting with a compliment. Yeah, don't hold back the compliment. Yeah. Give them. Give them. Give them all the love. Freely. Yeah. Yep. Which actually I could extend to my own interactions on like Facebook and Twitter. I think I've even said on here before that I'm a little bit, I withhold from the like button. Like I don't like everything. Although cut yourself some huge slack there now because you're always going on Twitter and trying to engage. Engaging and boosting people, lifting people up. So if you hold back the odd like... That's okay. That's maybe you, you boundaries. Okay, boundaries. So what? Whatever your boundaries are. So the service industry. Let's not hold back. Let's share it with the love. High five the <laughs> the people who solve your tech problems. Dum <laughs> dum